What's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is George Becknell, and I'm coming at you with the second ever episode of In The Paint. I got a good episode for you guys, but first, I want to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by the law office of Harry R. Brown Jr. Harry is an injury attorney that specializes in car accidents, truck accidents, work-related injuries, and more. If you need to reach Harry, you can do so at www.hrbrownlaw.com or you can call him at 225-938-5556. So ladies and gentlemen, if y'all remember anything else I've said tonight, anything else I've said on this particular episode, remember this. When the chips are down, call Harry Brown. That's 225-938-5556. All right, guys, let's dive into this week's topics. Obviously, the white elephant in the room has to be the the pinnacle of all sporting events over the course of the year, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl was played this weekend between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots. And I got to say, I've thoroughly enjoyed this Super Bowl. Despite my New Orleans Saints not being anywhere around the Super Bowl, I enjoyed this matchup. It was one of those David versus Goliath matchups, right? You got the big, bad New England Patriots. You know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. These two guys are playing in their eighth Super Bowl, right? They've already won five. They're... Probably the greatest head coach player combination, maybe in professional sports history, right? So these guys come in just overwhelming favorites. And then you have the Philadelphia Eagles, who played amazing football throughout the course of the year, but they lost their MVP candidate quarterback, Carson Wentz, toward the end of the season last year. And now you're rolling with a backup named Nick Foles. And in the first playoff game, Nick Foles looks shaky, but he has a strong NFC title game, and everybody in America is like, what, what Nick Foles is going to show up? Is this guy ready to lead them to a Super Bowl victory, especially over this New England Patriots team, which, in my mind, I, don't, I didn't think they could they can lose this game, right? I thought there was no way possible that New England could lose this game. But Nick Foles come out, plays a great game. The Philadelphia defense gets some pressure on Tom Brady. Tom Brady plays a hell of a game, but he doesn't look comfortable the whole game. And the Eagles pull it out in a thriller. You know, Nick Foles is named MVP. He throws for 373 yards. Three passing touchdowns. He also has a receiving touchdown on a, a fourth and goal play that uh, heads off to Peterson, uh, Coach Peterson, the Eagles coach. I mean, this guy called a hell of a game, right? He was gutsy. I just loved it, you know. So kudos to the to the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Super Bowl champs. Outside of the quarterback position, they were clearly the superior team. But, you know, hats off to them. Now, this game, it didn't look like a lick of defense was played, you know, because it wasn't. You know, they set an NFL postseason record for most yards gained by both teams in in, in a postseason game. 
which is surprising to me because the, the head coach of the New England Patriots, head coach extraordinaire, Bill Belichick, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, defensive minds in football. So you got to ask yourself, and, and I think the rest of America is asking too, is this the beginning of the end for the New England Patriots? Does this Super Bowl loss put the nail in the coffin for this amazing run that mostly Belichick and Brady is responsible for, right? They, like I said, they've gone to eight. You know, Tom Brady's 40 years old. Rob Gronkowski is talking about retirement. Bill Belichick's clearly not 100% pleased. You know, he he sits Malcolm Butler. He Malcolm Butler is the Patriot that plays the most defensive snaps over the course of the season. Doesn't play one defensive snap at all in the Super Bowl. Then, they, y'all remember there was that Jimmy Garoppolo situation to where I don't think Bill Belichick liked how Jimmy Garoppolo left town. I think he wanted to hold on to him. There was a there was a difference of opinion between Belichick and Patriots owner Robert Kraft on, on Jimmy Garoppolo's future. Now, obviously, the Patriots don't overpay for anybody. Jimmy Garoppolo, his contract was up. He was going to get paid. And then if Brady was going to play next year, which I'm pretty sure he will, then now you're paying two quarterbacks. That's kind of not the Patriot way. So I understand why he's not there. But I think Belichick wanted to have more insurance for next year. And I think that didn't sit well for him, you know. Um, And if you look at it, the Patriots don't have much in the cupboard. You know, their their whole blueprint has been we're going to get a whole bunch of guys that aren't the most talented guys but could come in and contribute. They're going to come in and execute. They're going to execute better than anybody else, offensively, defensively, and special teams. You know, you saw a lot of mistakes in the Super Bowl. I thought what spoke out to me wasn't so much that fumble, that strip fumble that Brady had because he was under pressure um, all game. The botch kick, you know, the hunt, the the holder drops the ball, has to hurry up and get get the snap to get, get the hole together, and the kicker misses the field goal, which is something that you never see in New England because they're so big at execution, you know. So that that's one thing that stuck out to me. But getting back on the subject, I, I think this might be the beginning of the end. It was it was a very uncharacteristic game for New England. And you got a lot of question marks headed into next year. I don't know about them going forward. Um, how long does Tom Brady play? I don't know. We'll see. But we do know one thing. The New England Patriots are the Super Bowl champions. Um, they deserve it. Hats off to them. The NFC East becomes the first division in football where every division, every team in the division, excuse me, has a Super Bowl title in their franchise history. So, uh, Again, kudos to the Philadelphia Eagles. Job well done. All hail the champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Speaking of putting a nail on the New England Patriots dynasty, let's look at Tom Brady's career body of work. Let's let's look at where he ranks all-time in professional sports as being an all-time great, you know. It's obvious that he's up there as far as football accomplishments. But where does Tom Brady rank in team sports? 
as far as being a being the greatest of all time. And before we even kind of dig into that, I want to tell you what, in my opinion, equals the greatest of all time. You know, I think somebody like Michael Phelps might be the greatest athlete to his sport. You know, somebody like Serena Williams, right, who just dominate their sports, and they're the they're the player or that star to make those sports relevant. But I'm going to kind of leave them out of this one because I want to talk about team sports. And when I think about being the greatest in a team sport, I think about a balance between personal accolades, being the most decorated player, and I also think about having the titles, having the hardware to go along with it. So an example, you know, you, t- you think about basketball, a guy like Robert Ory, right? Robert Ory has seven NBA championships, but he also only scored 7.9 points a game over his NFL career. Or if you look at football, you think of a guy like Dan Marino, where Dan Marino owned pretty much all of the passing records in NFL history, really, before like Brett Favre, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning started breaking the records. So he wouldn't be considered the greatest of all time in football to me because he doesn't have the hardware. So I I, I like to talk about a balance. So I'm going to throw some names out there, you know, when you're talking about the all-time greats. And I think one name really has to stand out, right? You know, because obviously you can talk about LeBron James. You can talk about Kobe Bryant when it comes to the NBA. Magic Johnson's always a name when it comes to the NBA. You know, guys in football, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice's of the world. You talk talk about Barry Bonds in baseball. Just, Just guys, Ken Griffey Jr. in in the... In the last few years, Alex Rodriguez. You think about all these guys. Well, I think Michael Jordan would be the greatest because he has the perfect balance of accolades and championships. You know, the man's undefeated in the NBA Finals. He has five MVPs. He's averaged 30 points a game. Uh, over his career he's only one of two players to do that I mean I could go on and on and on not to mention his contributions to pop culture um, the way marketing the way athletes are marketed these days a lot of that comes from what Nike and Haynes and Gatorade did with Michael Jordan right Um, hell he Nike wouldn't even be where they're at today if there's no Michael Jordan so in my opinion Michael Jordan has to be the greatest of all time in a team sport. But when it comes to a quarterback, I don't see nobody over Tom Brady ever. Because if you think about it, look at look at these guys. You know, look at look at the Joe Montanas, the Terry Bradshaws, and the Troy Aikmans of the world. You know, Joe Montana won four Super Bowls. Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls. All three of those guys are undefeated in the Super Bowl. You know, I think those guys had super stacked teams. You know, you think about the Steel Curtain of the 1970s. You know, you think about all those Hall of Famers, right? 
You got Lynn Swan. You got John Stallworth. You got Franco Harris. You got on the defensive side, you got Mean Joe Green. You got Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Mel Blunt, all these guys. That's that's just seven Hall of Famers I just named off the cuff with no problem. And if I really thought about the roster, I probably could name some more. Um, those 49ers teams of the 80s, stacked. You know, Jerry Rice might be the greatest overall football player of all time. He's definitely the greatest wide receiver, and it's not even close. It's not even a conversation, right? That defense was stacked too. You you think about you think about Troy Aikman and those Dallas teams. Those Troy Aikman teams with Dallas was just utterly ridiculous. You know, so all these guys had stacked teams. Now, even though Joe Joe Montana made clutch plays, they still didn't have the degree of difficulty I believe Tom Brady had over his career. Um, Tom Brady was the main catalyst behind two of those Super Bowl victories. Hell, after 2005, Tom Brady pretty much carried the carried the New England Patriots to everything they, they even got. You know, those first few, the defenses were stacked, right? They had they had great defenses. But after that, defense is pretty much pedestrian at best. So I think his degree of difficulty was as high as it wants to be, right? As as high as anybody else's. And and if you could really consider the fact that the man has been to eight Super Bowls, even though he's lost three of them. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been to eight Super Bowls. Ever. The Dallas Cowboys have been the eight Super Bowls ever. And that's the only two franchises that's been eight. I think Denver may have been to like six or seven, you know, but Tom Brady has been to eight Super Bowls. Find me another player that's been to eight Super Bowls, you know, let alone start all eight. He's won the MVP, I want to say, at least four or five times. You know, the, the man the man has a resume. So, not only did he win and did he get there, but listen to listen to where he ranks all time in passing. You know, and this these stats come from the ProFootballReference.com, right? He's fourth all time in NFL passing yards, behind Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. He's tied with Drew Brees for third all time in passing touchdowns, behind. Peyton Manning and Brett Favre again. He's third in NFL history in passer rating for his career. And the man in 2007 threw for an NFL record at the time 50 touchdowns in the season. There's nobody in NFL history that has those type of personal accolades to go along with five championship rings. Matter of fact, there's only one other player in NFL history that has five championship rings, and his name is Charles Haley. Um, so Tom Brady, five rings, all the personal accolades. I think he's got to be the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think there's a debate. I think despite him losing this Super Bowl, that shouldn't affect his legacy at all. I think anybody who's really doubting his legacy, doubting his greatness, because of this one Super Bowl is is overreaction. It's it's, the, it's a knee jerk overreaction and it's out of line. It's uncalled for. 
While we're on the subject of where Tom Brady ranks of all time, I had another debate about whether the Patriots dynasty rank of all time. And we, and I had this debate with my friends and we kind of went back and forth of what we thought was a dynasty and what we didn't think was a dynasty. I bought up the 96 Bulls as a dynasty and we went back and forth. It was a great debate. But during this debate, a question came up. And you know what? I would love to hear you guys' feedback on this question. So hit my Instagram with the answer, whatever you feel. Just go ahead and comment when I post about this current show. My Instagram, again, is in underscore the underscore paint. So, again, is in the letter N underscore the underscore paint. So let me know what you think about this question. So the question is, is it easier to win a championship in the NFL or is it easier to win a championship in the NBA? And I sat there and I thought about this question because I feel like when you talk about titles and you talk about legacy and you talk about greatness, this should really be considered, you know? And if you really think about it, I just made a comparison between Tom Brady and Michael Jordan for being the greatest team players of all time. This kind of fits right into that. So I'd love to hear what you guys think, but I'm going to go ahead and give you my opinion. You know, you talk about football. Football, from an organizational standpoint, it's a 53-man roster that you got to slim down to before the beginning of the season. You have to have pieces. You have to have offensive pieces. You have to have defensive pieces. You even got to have some designated special teams pieces. You have to have a proper coaching staff in place. It's, football is a lot of moving parts, a lot of different people, and obviously that's a lot harder to manage than a 12-man roster in basketball. Obviously that's a lot harder to coach. Um, so from an organizational standpoint, I don't really think it's close. I think it's harder for an NFL organization to compete and to be consistent year in on year out than it is for somebody in the NBA to go out and do the same thing. You know, for for example, Bill Belichick's job is much more challenging, in my opinion, than what Steve Kerr is doing with Golden State. I mean, he has a stacked team. He's all, He can almost be a moderator. I'm not saying that's what he does. But he can almost be a moderator, just sit there and watch the team play. And that team is going to win 50 games if he doesn't do a thing because they're that good. Now, obviously, he has to coach to to take them to another level and to, and to help them win titles. So I'm not trying to say that the role of an NBA coach is not relevant because it is. But what I'm saying is his team is so good to where they could be they could be competitive in the NBA if he didn't do anything. Or what his role is as a coach 
pales in comparison to what an NFL coach does. But but when it comes to like a player's role, a player's perspective, it's gotta be it's gotta be the basketball player. And I'm gonna tell you why. There's no no disrespect to to any football players out there. There's no disrespect to the Tom Brady's of the world who do an amazing job playing quarterback, making clutch plays, and, and leading their team, right? But if you think about it, when you're in the NFL, you really only have to play half of the game. Now, I get that football is a much more brutal sport than the NBA. Um, one football game, probably is more physically taxing on an individual than about three or four basketball games, right? Just my opinion. Um, I played both sports. But when you think about it, these basketball players are playing 100 games a season if they're making the playoffs. And not only that, somebody like LeBron James, for instance. LeBron James has to go out there and pretty much do everything, you know. He has to play offense. He has to play defense. He contribute. He 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 distributes the basketball. He scores. He rebounds. He blocks shots. Matter of fact, the last championship LeBron won, one of the biggest plays he ever made in that series was on the defensive end, where he runs down Andre Iguodala and puts his layup on the backboard and helps seal that game. Right. Well, somebody like Tom Brady, Tom Brady's never gone out and made a tackle, deflected a pass, caught an interception. He's never done that. He's never had to do that. Um, you know, so I think about I think about that. You know, I think about the percentage of the games that these guys are playing or the or the level of effectiveness that they have, you know, like when Michael Jordan played, he hit a game with a shot, right? We all saw all the highlights and all the game winning shots that Michael Jordan made. But a lot of those times he had to put himself in those positions to make the game with a shot with a defensive play, you know, a perfect example, the one in Utah, you, we watched the, the one in Utah over Byron Russell, all the time, the last shot where he kind of hangs in the air, knocks it down, right? But that play started because he stripped Carl Malone on a defensive end, you know? And like I said, it's not easy. It, it can't be easy to go in the huddle as a quarterback and command your troops, go down the field on a game-winning drive and and win the game. But I've, I'm a Saints fan. I watch the Saints all the time. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen Drew Brees get in the huddle, lead the team down the field, put the Saints up with less than two minutes left, and the Saints lose because the defense gives up gives up a touchdown. I mean, is that on Drew? No. <laughs> you know, does that make him any less of a player? No. Any less of a good player? No. But what I'm saying is he can't go out. He doesn't have that control to go out and win and, – 
and win the game on the defensive end. And I think basketball players, because they have to go out and they have to play offense and defense, to me, it makes winning a title from a player's perspective in basketball a lot harder than football. But from an organizational standpoint, I mean, football has to be harder, right? From an organization. Um, But I'd like to know what you... What you think? So please hit my Instagram. That's in the letter N underscore the underscore paint. And look, my, the final thing I want to talk about. I saw something really, really interesting. I saw the Denver Nuggets defeat the Oklahoma City Thunder in overtime in the NBA. You know, and after the game, I see this. I see this fan just gets all in Russell Westbrook's face, you know, like and, and Russell and Westbrook has to like push him off of him, you know, toward the end of the season, Quentin Jefferson from the Seattle Seahawks got kicked out of a game or was headed to the sideline, to the tunnel or whatever. And you had a Jacksonville Jaguar fan throw a drink on him, you know, and we all remember the Ron Artest situation, right? Because that gets blown up as one of the worst sporting scenes in history, which it should be, because there's no excuse to be out here having this big fight, right? But let's remember how it started. It started with a fan hitting him in the face with a drink. And look, fans, fans pay the athlete salaries. Fans, the one that make the leagues, the whether it's the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball or, or college sports, it makes sports, the fans make the sports a billion-dollar industry. So I don't want to diminish the role of the fans. But, I mean, you fans, some, some, of, some of you fans have gotten ridiculous. You know, these are grown men. These are people, these are human beings out here entertaining you. Because sports is a form of entertainment, but they're still people. So I'm tired of seeing fans behave and treat some of these athletes in ways that they wouldn't even be able to do at a zoo. Or if they did, Peter would be all over you. You know, and I just want people to think about that. I want I want to shed some light into that because what happened is, you know, you get a guy that's in the heat of battle, and he's already, you know, he's he's already ready for for war because he's competing, and it's and it's a beautiful thing about sports, pure competition. But the guy comes to the sideline or whatever and you throw a beer on him and then you get mad when he reacts. I, I think that's not fair. I think you have to have some type of understanding because, I mean, if you throw a beer on me, I don't even have to be in the heat of battle. We might have some problems. So fans, 
anyone anyone who who's an emotional fan like I am, check your behavior. Look, understand these 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 players are people too. They're human beings. Do better. But anyway, that's all I have for this week's show. Again, thank you for the support. I look forward to your feedback. And uh, I'll see y'all next week on In the Paint.